Welcome to Breaking Free. I'm Rania Kurdi, a transformational life coach, comedian, and mother of two. And you can join me weekly to hear some intimate self-reflections and conversations with inspirational friends and guests from all around the world, sharing what they needed to break free from in order to live a life of purpose. My guest on today's episode is Maria Brito. She's a women's empowerment coach from the island of San Juan, Puerto Rico, lovingly called by her closest as Mama Maria. She's also known as a soulful shadow walker. Her focus is assisting women in the journey to connect to what needs to be healed within in order to create space for what they want to manifest. Maria, I'm so glad to have you here today. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. And this is such a joy to talk to you. I am so happy to be here with you. <laughs> Maria, so before we start, let's just find out a little bit about you and what makes you happy. Oh my goodness, what makes me happy is being with my grandchildren. That is what makes me happy. Yeah, seeing seeing my, my daughter be a mother, it, it brings tears to my eyes right now just talking about it and having them call me Gigi. They call me Gigi, which stands for gorgeous grandma, by the way. Oh, that's nice. Because I was not going to have them call me grandma. Uh. Oh my God, that's the same with my mom. She didn't want to be called Teta in Arabic. So um, her friends gave her tiny Teta. So she was Titi. So you're Gigi. Uh, so sweet. So sweet. Oh my goodness. Yes. That's what makes me happy. And what book has inspired you the most in life? I would have to say is a book by Gabby Bernstein. It's called The Universe Has Your Back. Uh, that book brought me a lot of reassurance at a time in my life where I found myself pretty much at the dark night of, of the soul. And it's just a beautiful book with many truths, many truths. <laughs> Gabrielle Bernstein, the spiritual junkie. Yes, yes. I got to, that's what she calls Yeah, herself. I got to attend yeah. her level one training in New York City. She's just so real. She's just real. It's just, uh, she's a beautiful being. Yeah. And so are you, Maria. I know you closely now from working Thank with you. you. And I know you as a women's empowerment coach, a breath doula, a yoga instructor. I've done most of these things with you, enjoyed them all immensely. And, you know, you believe that when a woman heals herself, there's a light that emits from her soul that cannot be ignored. And that's so true. Like everybody that's in the group, in the sisterhood that I've met, you know, now emit that same light that you emit. And it's just beautiful. It is beautiful to see. So what I would like the listeners to, to know today is how you got there. You know, what is your story, Maria? Your childhood wasn't easy. You know, it didn't come with ease, as you said, that when you read that book, you were at rock bottom. So how did it all start for you? Well, when I read that book, I had my, my I think, a third night of the soul, <laughs> dark night of the soul. I'm, I'm turning, I just turned 50. I'm so used to saying I'm about to turn 50. I just turned 50. So I've, I've lived, you know, a, a, a while. And my childhood, well, let me start there. I left the island of Puerto Rico when I was 11 
And we moved to the States and my mother did not adjust very well. So it was a really hard time for her to adjust to a different language, to adjust to a different location. She went into a very bad, um, deep depression to the point where, you know, she tried to commit suicide four times. And each time I found her. And so that was hard for, for a child growing up. Um, it brought a lot of, of immense trauma that needed years of healing. But I didn't realize how much I had would affect all my relationships from then on. And so, yeah, so it, it led to, to falling into deep depression myself. I, um, my husband was um, in, in the military and we moved often every three years. We were like gypsies. <laughs> and it was hard. It was hard to 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 leave a life behind and restart over. And so from yeah, from every move that we did, it was a re I had to reinvent myself in a way. And I noticed just how lonely it could be. And I always wanted to, and I knew that there was something more. There was something more, even in, in all the friendships, it was just so superficial. And I really longed for for deep connection, deep connection with women. And so I became a yoga instructor and that was part of my awakening <laughs> into my dharma, my purpose. And I thought yoga was it. I thought yoga was the thing that I, I could offer to the world. And through the practice of yoga, I came more, more in tuned with what I really needed as a woman. And that was deep connection, a sisterhood, a, a tribe that no matter what, they were going to be there in compassion and grace. And so I selfishly decided to create my own sisterhood. <laughs> and that's how Why is basically it the, the work starts. <laughs> because and it, it's not a selfish thing. It's just, I, you, we should be selfish sometimes and think about ourselves. That's what I'm, it's not a bad thing. So I did it for me in the beginning. And then it turned out to be something that was deeply needed, that was very transformative. Just creating a sacred space for women to gather and, and talk about life and talk about what the struggles and talk about the wins and talk about how to deal better with life. All those things are so important. And I did it through the practice of yoga. I teach women breath, which is pranayama. It's through the practice of, of coming to stillness, meditation. It's through the practice of being in your body, the asana, the yoga move, you know, every move that we make in a yoga, every posture and conquering the resistance. There's always some sort of resistance that surfaces. So yeah, that's how they, the work came about. <laughs> Okay. So before you found the sisterhood, before you created the sisterhood and, and found that there was healing and sharing and being with others and that yoga and breathwork helped, how did you cope? How did you cope up until that time? You know, you, how did you go through your childhood, your adolescence, before meeting your husband and getting married and moving around? Well, there wasn't much for me at that time, I didn't, how did I cope? I, I, I coped the best I could I, I, with what I knew at the time, but there was really nothing available. Even for my mother, even I, I saw that, 
you know, she would go to the doctor, but revert back. There was not a consistent, they didn't give her tools. They didn't give her the knowledge of how she had the healing within her to conquer the depression, to have a better day, to believe in herself, that she was worthy of this, you know, of, of goodness, of abundance in her life. So she pretty much passed it on to me, that feeling of I'm not enough or I'm not worthy or um, this, this is it, you know, there, there's nothing, there's nothing better. Well, it, it, it created feelings of of unworthiness, of course, of course, which is what women suffer through more than anything that I've found through my coaching of women, and that's why I've I have about three workshops a year that are that are just based on reclaiming your worthiness. But seeing your mother do that for for so long, you just carry it with you, and then you know got married. And then it was the, you know, feelings of abandonment anytime we would get in an argument or again, going back to, I'm, I'm not worthy and I'm, I'm not good enough. Um, so it wasn't really until I had my second daughter that who is now 24 <laughs> and it was right after right after I had her that I went into a deep depression, um, had postpartum, and I didn't not know it. I dealt with anxiety, I had crippling anxiety, crippling fear, um, to the point that I was actually living in England at that time, and um, and I'm an island girl, so of course you know I had loved the sun and uh, barely saw the sun when I was in England. In- well, England's an island. <laughs> I know, I know, <laughs> but it's not a sunny island. Not the same kind of island. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> a very cold island. Yes, yes. So it was hard. It was hard for me. Uh, so I had, on top of that, I had the seasonal, you know, depression of, you know, it's it's winter. Like I felt like it was winter all the time while I was there. Although I love your country, I love it, love it, love it, love it. But yes. So it was a lot, a lot. You lived in both my countries. Yes, right? I did. That's right. I lived in Jordan as well. And I love Jordan. That's like my second home. But it was a lot on top of each other, on top of each other that made me realize I really need to work on myself. I am worthy of this work. I am worthy of taking the time and, and finding holistic ways to heal my body, to heal my mind. And was pretty much me getting on my knees and connecting to God, connecting to spirit, connecting to source, universe, whatever, you know, you call it. And, and just asking for help. I'm like, I'm insane. I'm ready. I'm ready to receive whatever downloads you got for me, whatever I need to, to know, please give that to me. And, and this was a deep, deep surrender. Basically, that's what it came to, that I can't do it alone. What was the moment that you realized that that's what you needed to do, was to surrender, to pray, to realize that you are worthy? Oh, yeah. When I realized I just did not, didn't want to live this way anymore. I didn't want to live in fear anymore. I was so envious of people that looked like they had no care in the world, right? Because at that moment, I had the weight of the world on my shoulders, and I could not cope with one more thing. 
it was too scary to even think about that. And to think back, and I get teary I talking about it now because like to think back that that's where I was. And now look where I'm at. I was just thinking that that you are now that happy person that other people maybe think, oh God, she doesn't have a care in the world. And how easy it is for us to think that someone always had that or it was easy or they didn't work hard for it because we don't have always the backstory. We don't see the struggle. So true. So true. And I actually even had a, a coaching session yesterday with a with a woman and and she said, you know, some sometimes I look at you and I don't I don't I don't know how like how you do it. I don't know how you're constantly creating and and you're supporting and you're happy. And I wonder, you know, is that really true? <laughs> is that really real? What's the pill, Maria? <laughs> yeah. I go through things. I go, I struggle. Do you still struggle and go through things, Maria? I have, absolutely, I have my days. Absolutely, I have my days. And now I'm I'm considered pre-menopausal. So the hormones go and, but yeah, we're human. You know, we have days. We have days when when fear creeps in, when doubt creeps in. But it's, it's that constant reminder. We are our best cheerleaders. We are the ones that have to to turn the story around for ourselves and to remind ourselves of who we really are and our tremendous worth and power that we possess. And Maria, if someone goes to your website, by the way, it's awakenmariabrito.com. Awaken with Maria. So awakenwithmaria.com. It's a beautiful website, such beautiful pictures. They're going to see a vibrant, very feminine, beautiful, joyful woman. But, you know, for you to reach there now in your 50s, from what I know and you told me as a child, you know, you suffered from fitting in and you had some physical difficulties as well with your back or? Yes, I have. I have scoliosis. They found it when I was, I think I was about... 12 when they found the curvature on my on my spine and it was very severe almost to the point that they had to do surgery on me and the surgery for for that is very ugh. they cut you open from 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 neck to tail and they stick a bar in you and uh, it's really hard and then in the middle of the surgery they have to wake you up with you open and they have to like inflict pain on your on your spine to make sure that you are feeling that you did not lose the Feeling, yeah, it's a very it was it's very scary procedure. But I had to wear a brace, so it was a very scary procedure, and I had to wear a brace for two years. I had to wear a brace, and I could only take it off one hour a day, one hour a day. But the but the brace, I had to sleep in it. Yes, and I had to wear a special shirt underneath the brace so that it wouldn't shave my skin, you know, the, or hurt me. But I was ridiculed by kids because, you know, they could see the brace, um, the brace made my clothes not fit right. Yeah. So it was, a. <laughs> I had totally forgotten that I had shared that with you. Yes. So how do you heal from that sort of trauma? Because it's hard enough being a teenager, isn't it? And trying to fit in and, and have that while you're a young teen at the same time as your mom, you know, committing or trying to commit suicide or die by suicide a year before and during that time. I can't think 
of how you would even be able to handle that or heal from that. Yeah. Someone said that to me um, years later when a friend of mine tried to commit suicide and I was the only person that she wanted to see. And her shrink, her therapist said when he heard my story and how I, you know, this, this had affected me, he said, I don't know. I don't know how you're here and talking about it so calmly and, and like, well, I, I think, I think God gives you the, the, the strength that you need. There's nothing that you cannot bear. And I really believe that this, this, it was part of my learning. I had to go through that in order to be able to help others who had struggled with inner child trauma. So this is why a lot of my work is the shadow work is going back to the child and healing the child, the child that was made fun of, the child that was ridiculed, the, the child that was um, neglected and and told she that she or he was not good enough or smart enough. Um, strong enough. So it's very, it, it's needed work. And, and every time that a woman does it, she, I always say she's not only healing seven generations back, she's healing seven generations forward. So when I continue to do the work myself, and this is the work that I talk the talk and I walk it, I do the work myself. I, I, you know, you know, you've been part of my programs. I do, I do the practices with you girls. I wake up early. I, I do it all, you know, because I have to lead from example. And, and something happens when you turn 50, that it's like a, it's like a switch. Like, you know, now, now I'm turning into that crone, the crone phase, the, the woman, the wise woman. And I want to be I want to have lessons. I want to have teachings. I want to help women. I want to give them tools, the tools that I didn't have in my life for them to cope and know that it's going to be okay. And you're a wonderful example of that, Maria. I mean, it just shows how when you change your perspective and when you heal, the same situations become a different experience. So you are still in the marriage that you're talking about where you're having difficulty and feeling abandoned. But from what I understand, it's a very happy and joyous, fulfilling marriage. So how did you switch that around? Was it literally just understanding your triggers? <sighs> oh, it's It was a lot of, of, of work on both sides, of course, not, you know, it takes two to tango. So he did a lot of work. I did a lot of work. And then we did work together. So i um, been married almost 32 years now. You know, he took me to my graduation, my high school graduation. He took me to prom. Basically, we grew up together in a way. But I believe in any marriage. And, I, and, and this is, it's funny because now my, my, some of my coaching has, has turned into some, you know, marriage counseling in a way. Um, where the husbands want to have sessions with me too. <laughs> and I think it's, you know, I, I've been told that um, I have a dear medicine woman that she's an energy worker in, in, in New Mexico. And, and, I, and I have a session with her regularly. And she says that I, that I am going to work with men too, eventually. And, and now, and now I, I'm starting to see that start to happen, how the, you know, the women say, you know, well, my husband sees, you know, I'm doing the work and I'm getting better and I'm, my perspective is just changing and I'm healing and they want, they want that, you know, and I always yeah. say that the woman is the leader. The woman, once, you know, you, you take charge of your life, it's like, he's either going to do it or he's not going to do it. And 
And if there's, if there's like an inch of, of, of willingness to work on it, then that's it. That's all that's, that's all that's needed. And, and that's what happened. That's what happened with him and I. So, yeah. So Maria, your time in Jordan, I didn't get to meet you when you were in Jordan, but we met online through the sisterhood or through a yoga, actually a yoga online course that we were on together that we did. And then I came to speak at the sisterhood and loved it so much. I wanted to join it. But, uh, you know, I missed out on the Jordan part. Is that when you started your yoga and started groups? Well, I did. I I got certified in, in New Mexico and, and then we got our assignment to Jordan and I was there for two years and I got to teach yoga and it was just a beautiful community that was formed. All different backgrounds, all different ages, men, women. Yeah, that's when my women's work really kicked off. It's pretty much started in New Mexico and it continued on. And it's just been beautiful to to still thank God for Zoom <laughs> that we can that we can still uh, you know I can still stay in contact with the women there and gained some new new people through through the women that are still there like you right yeah it's beautiful that there's women from all around the world mm-hmm. and we have you know you and I have common friends Khadija and so many friends in common. So it's, it was just was truly a blessing to, to be in Jordan. And I can't wait to go back after this COVID situation. Oh, yes. And did you move to other countries afterwards and, you know, felt able to create other circles of women and do workshops? Was it no longer lonely, you know, when you traveled? No, no, not at all. I mean, I've moved back to the U.S. after Jordan. All my travels in Europe were before Jordan. But no, I moved back to the U.S. And I knew that I had to bring, because in Jordan, you know, it's the kind of the same, like just to hit, like the Hispanics, the Latin community. We're very close. We love to eat. We love to get together. You know, there's always, there's always a gathering, some kind of gathering, some kind of party. <laughs> And everyone knows everyone. So you make friends quickly. Yes, exactly. And that's, I think that's why I, I just fell in love with Jordan so quickly. But moving to the US, I realized, oh my gosh, you know, they don't have that here. They don't have that. The women get together and gather and I need to, I need to create something like that. And, and slowly, slowly it formed and and I'm, yeah, I've been, I did a, a count of how many women attended my, my workshops last year. And I think I got to, it was almost 370 something. Can't remember the exact, but I was like, wow, that's really, that's really big, you know? And some of them have trained with you and, and go on to then help and support other people, don't they? Yes. Yes. So I started a facilitator program to teach women how to do this work and how to lead others and because I can't do it all. And each woman has 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 their own tribe of women, Runo, that trusts that trust her. And so yeah, so this is a second year that I've had my facilitator program. I do it only once a year. And it's just been beautiful to watch them do their thing and 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 share the love. It's just been great. So Maria, it's hard to believe that with all this wonderful soul work that you do, that you actually have a corporate job or did have one till just recently. 
alongside all of this? Yes. So I was working. I had a corporate job 40 hours a week, you know, and, and I was doing, I always say, you know, I'm, I'm a corporate girl by day. I was a project manager by day, priestess by night. (laughs) 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 But I said um, no more. And I actually gave my two week notice three weeks ago. And so my last official day of working was last week. And it's still surreal. I know it's just, it's fabulous. And it's still surreal that, you know, I don't have that eight o'clock meeting and the 10 meeting and the, <laughs> and the one o'clock meeting. And, and I have this time, I have all this time now to do the work that I absolutely love and adore. I think what's amazing about working with you as well is that you know how to do all the other things that come with having to facilitate really doing group work and doing wonderful projects and vision boards and things like that in that you know the tech side of it, you know the marketing side of it or the promoting side of it, you know, you make it easy and accessible for us to talk to each other in groups and things like that. So is that your corporate job that helped you understand those things? That that made me a techie girl? Yes. Yes. I had to learn all the systems, all those, you know, electronic systems and, and how to keep people on track and uh, building schedules and agendas and trips and part of, you know, project managing and uh, pl- event planning. And so, yeah, I, I try to make it I'm, I'm glad that you say that, that I made it easy for you girls, because I'd really try to make things available, accessible, easy. Yeah, definitely. It, it's hard to imagine that you had a 40 hour a week job alongside, you know, what you were doing with just one program. And now you're doing a new program. You're facilitating something, something new. Tell us about that, Maria. Yes, I'm starting a desire map system. It's a workshop and I'm going to be launching that in the next uh, week. Currently going to have an in live in person here in Alabama where I live, but I'm also going to have an online one, which is going to be probably a month long. And we meet every weekend and um, there'll be work to do during the week. But the Desire Map is a program that was uh, designed by Danielle Laporte, the author, Danielle Laporte. She actually wrote a book called The Desire Map. And it's a very transformational process that teaches you, that, that guides you to find your core desired feelings and how you want to feel in life, in all aspects of life. So I'm really excited to be launching that um, soon. And I already have some girls that are like, whatever it is you're doing, just sign me up. I'm doing it because I'm excited. So let's see. I can't wait. Can't wait. Yeah. And have you always been like this, a student of life, always seeking something new? Because, you know, you're forever taking a new course, teaching a new course. You do drumming as well, don't you? And I don't mean in a rock band. (laughs) frame drumming frame drumming yes I think that journey of seeking really started in England after that you know I hit that rock bottom place I got really hungry to 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 know to learn to really take charge of my life and because and again something inside me knew that there was there was better there was something better 
And the knowledge was there. I just needed to be reminded. I always say that, you know, we all have the knowledge we need inside. Sometimes we just need that person to to say it in a different way for us to go, oh, yes, now it makes sense kind of thing. So, and I say, I hope that nobody stops seeking, that everybody keeps, I want women to be 85, 89 and still attending workshops and still still wanting wanting to learn more. Yeah. And do you feel now that inner peace that you were striving for? Yes, I do. I remember days when I couldn't take a full breath. I couldn't even, I couldn't even receive the breath. Like I say in, in my breathwork classes, you know, there was no receiving. It was always struggle. There's just struggle. And, and, and I, and I yearned to find that, that peace to just take a single breath. And I found it. And that's what I want. That's what I want to teach forever and ever and ever and ever. Well, I definitely vouch for it. It is very, very powerful doing breath work. And, you know, I think it was the first time with you doing it that I was able to tap into my inner child properly, you know, really feel it or visualize it. It's a very powerful thing to do. So, so many women say that, that, you know, they could actually see themselves there. They could actually feel being in the moment, you know, that moment where they were traumatized, that moment where they were feeling lonely and, and hurt. And there's such, there's such healing in going, in going into those places that are still hurting, that are still hurting. It's hard work, you know, it's, it's hard work. And, and that's, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. <laughs> so, uh, but you gotta be willing, you gotta be willing and, and surrender again that word because if you numb yourself yes you feel less but you also feel less joy less happiness less excitement and it really is worth doing the work in order to have like full color life in full color i would say and especially if you're a mother of a of of daughters if you're a mother of daughters this work my daughters seeing me do the work they have actually become better humans <laughs> because of it, you know, and, and the, the, their friends, they say that they're just wise women in these, in these young bodies. And it's because they've seen mom, they've seen mom do the work and, and, and heard her actually change the lingo, change the conversation, change the projection, the perception, all those things. When, the kids are listening. They are listening. They're watching. They're sponges. Whatever you're doing, believe me, it's going to make an impact, especially when you're trying to do healing work. So imagine your grandchildren, how they're going to grow up seeing Grandma Gigi from such an early age. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm so, I mean, that's why I say yeah. I, I... Or not Grandma Gigi. No, no Grandma, Grandma Gigi. Gigi. <laughs> but just, yeah. Yeah. you know, I, mean, I get excited that, you know, someday they might do this work. Yeah, I've been told by a medicine woman that one of my granddaughters is going to, she's going to continue my work. And so I have to start kind of training her. So it's exciting. It's exciting. Yeah. I want that lineage yeah. for sure. And how did you come about to be Mama Maria? Did people start calling you Mama? It's a Hispanic thing in in Puerto Rico and in some other Latin countries, and as a term of endearment, 
um, to call a girlfriend mama. And so when I, I got, I always call all my girlfriends mama. And I know in Jordan, they, they say that too. To their kids, is that right? Or I've heard we say it to our children. Yeah, it's very confusing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so when I was over there, I would say "mama." At first, I would get like these looks, and I had to explain. You know, that's a term of endearment. I'm calling you like I'm calling you like honey or sugar or sweetie or you know. So I got you know people started to call me "mama" back. They started to adopt my endearing term, you know, and. And then all of a sudden, it just became Mama Maria, Mama Maria. And to this day, it's, you know, everybody calls me Mama, Mama Maria. And, and to somebody that's not part of my circle, they, to them, it sounds kind of like, well, why are you calling her Mama? You know, <laughs> but when you know, the, when you know what it means and the significance behind it, I still call my girls Mama, you know. And it's- yeah, I didn't understand how it made sense to call your children Mama until I had children. <laughs> I started calling them Mama. That's so funny. uh, (laughs) It just took over me. And I realized it's kind of like saying, Mama is talking to you. So, pay attention. You know, I, as Mama, I'm telling you. (laughs) Yes. In the name of Mama. (laughs) So funny. So funny. And Teta. Yeah. Yeah. Habibti. Yeah. I know. And Hayati. Yeah. Yeah. We also say teta for grandmother and teta in, in, in Spanish is boob. <laughs> oh. So there was, there was so many words when I was in, in Jordan that I was like, oh my gosh, that's so funny because it's, it means something totally different. And this is what it means. And yeah, love the culture, love the people, <laughs> love, love you all so much. Love it. Love. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. We love you, Maria. Thank you so much for being on Breaking Such Free. Such a pleasure. It's very inspirational to hear your story and hopefully any young girls out there as well who feel like they're struggling, not fitting in, you know, have problems as well at home. You can start late. You can change your life around late. I mean, you know, your aha moment and deciding that you want to learn and seek happened much later on. And look at how many friends you have and how many people love you now and what joy you give to others. It's just wonderful. And the healing that happens too doesn't stop. Like I basically had a conversation last week with my father about the trauma that, you know, what my mother did caused. And he he said he had no idea. He had no idea that I had gone through that. So, you know, healing continues to happen years after you know there's still hope and so don't don't lose hope and and keep keep doing the work yourself and eventually you'll be given the opportunity to do the forgiveness to do the talking to do um, the thing that needs to be done in order to heal that relationship thank you maria and to anyone listening who wants to connect with you it's awakenwithmaria.com you can find out more And I promise you, you won't be sorry. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And you can follow me on Instagram too. It's Awaken with Maria Brito. And there's all, I'm always constantly posting all my offerings and anything new and my stories. I love to connect. So yes. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Breaking Free, please share it with your friends or on your social media platforms. And of course, I'd really love it if you can subscribe, rate or review the show. 
You can reach me directly at raniakurdi.com if you would like to ask a question, comment on what you heard today, or find out how I can support you on your journey.